friends, we are at the beginning um, of our third encounter. And we're in the middle of a series at the moment called Encountering Jesus. And this morning I'd like to bring to you uh, from Scripture um, the encounter that we're titling The Sightless Seeker. And in just a moment, I'm going to um, bring to you um, a scripture reading. And if you've got a device or you've got your Bible with you now, would you mind getting out? We're going to be turning to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. Uh, We're going to be reading from uh, verses 46 through to 52. And if you just give me one moment. Beginning at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, they gathered, also gathered a large crowd, and they were leaving a city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to, began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and called him. So they called to the blind man and said, Cheer up, on your feet, he is calling you. And so throwing off his cloak, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Would you just join me as we pray? Loving and gracious God, we thank you for your word once again. We thank you for its power. We thank you for the way that it speaks to us, the way way that it reveals who you are. We just pray that today in the story we will discover something new of what you might want to say to us, Lord God. We pray that your word, as powerful it is, will speak to our very hearts, Lord God. May we come with our, with our hearts open and ready to receive whatever it is that you have for us this morning. God, may my words today um, be something that comes from your heart. Lord, may people hear today uh, more of what you are desiring in our lives, Lord God. And may your words speak directly to that. And in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So I used to have terrible sight. It runs in my family. Um, So ever since I was a child, I have needed to wear glasses and my siblings have had to uh, and so on and so forth. As I was growing up and particularly into um, early times of being a mum, the most problematic times I found having to wear glasses or being really badly short-sighted was when we were at the beach and swimming. I don't know whether you can relate, but, you know, to actually get amongst the waves, you actually need to take your glasses off. And so uh, swimming with the family was one of the most terrifying things for me. Not because I can't swim, not even because I'm not actually a fairly good and strong swimmer, but because there's so much I couldn't see when I was out there. I found it very, very difficult to actually be able to recognise faces of of the family, of my kids, that kind of thing. Um, I found it very difficult to really be able to properly sort of discern the distance sort of back to the shore, even, you know, the extent of the horizon. And I had absolutely no chance of spotting sort of danger things, you know, like rips or rocks or weed or sharks. So um, 
you know, really swimming was a big deal for me um, all through my life, but particularly, uh, you know, when you're at the beach with your kids. I'd often be the one with my glasses on sitting on the shore just making sure that everyone's okay. But in 2018, uh, I decided that um, I was going to look into laser correction surgery, and I indeed had surgery. It was very successful. Um, I no, no longer needed to wear glasses. Um, the procedure itself only took 15 minutes, would you believe? And within 15 minutes, for the first time in my life, I had 20-20 distance vision. Quite remarkable what technology can do. And so just thinking about that for myself, but also thinking back to our story, um, the one we just read from the Gospel of Mark, I want you to imagine for a moment what it would be like to actually be born blind. To be born blind. The World Health Organization estimates that 36 million people are born without an optic nerve. Just imagine for a moment the inability to see what is around you, the inability to see the truth of your physical surroundings. And friends, just to be really clear, um, you know, sight is not actually an extension of our other senses. Sight is not an extension to hearing or touch or smell. Sight actually enables us to perceive what the other faculties or the other senses cannot perceive. We can, we can try to explain what things might look like, what colour is like. We can try to explain things to assist a person who is vision impaired as to what things really look like. But actually, sight itself is very important as it allows us to perceive something that our other senses can't. So just continue to imagine with me what it would be like if you, in your whole life, you're dependent, so dependent on people to be your eyes, to be the way that you got around, the way that you saw and understood your surroundings. Um, I have an image to show you on the screen. It's an image of an indigenous man. It's a man who uh, loved the Lord and has since passed away. And he was... He was brought up on the indigenous community of Elko Island. You might know him. His name is Gurumul. As I said, he's a follower of Jesus and he's performed many, many times uh, with people like Paul Kelly, Delta Gudrun, String, Sting, sorry, and he's also even performed for the Queen. In one of his first albums, he records a song about his, his blindness. He's being blind from birth. And in that song, he talks about how the defining element of his relationships with other people is the simple request that he had, would you please hold my hand? Such a beautiful way to consider what it would be like to not have sight and also to recognise how so many of your relationships may well be characterised by the need for others to, be, to assist you in that, in that way. Would you hold my hand? <laughs> so here we are at encounter number three, the sightless seeker, of our sermon series, Encountering Jesus. So just to recap for you, this series, we really want and uh, we really desire that you and us as a congregation would begin to focus in on the importance and the need and the longing that we all have to actually intimately experience Jesus, to intimately encounter Christ. And as we enter more deeply into this series, as we, as we, as we unpack more and more encounters of Jesus in Scripture... I just wanted to suggest to you that I believe that there are two kinds of stories and two kinds of listeners out there. 
One story only aspires to entertain or, or to distract or even to provide an escape for its audience. And these stories assume that the reader or the listener or the audience are actually quite passive in the process, that we are passive spectators. And so much of the media that we're exposed to today across different platforms actually aspires to do this first. But the second kind of story intends to transform an audience. And it's these stories where the audience can become engaged in it and actually want to be a part of it. The second sort, or the second kind of audience are willing to allow the story to challenge them, to, to open up themselves to the story so that their life script, their own internal story, might connect in a deeper way to the story. And this is what I believe is significant about the story of the blind beggar who, who invites us to see and invites us to follow. And I think this story, as, as all stories in the Bible, are such a story. They invite us to be transformed. They invite us to enter in where we're encouraged to discover that God has actually spoken once again and continues to speak to us continues to open our eyes to see and most tangibly and profoundly we see and hear God in and through his son Jesus Christ. John 1 says that the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. Isn't that beautiful? That's a paraphrase from the message translation. So friends, you might find no matter who you are or where you've come from this morning, either here or together in the room or online, you might indeed find this encounter a little bit confronting. Because, because what I've discovered is that this story, this encounter story of blindness is actually really about a spiritual disability, not a physical one. So often in the Bible, spiritual blindness and the giving of spiritual sight is likened to physical blindness and the restoring of physical sight. This is true of this encounter that we read today. And they are importantly connected. And hopefully we will be able to explore a number of those connections. So every one of you, every one of you here today, remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And even if you're sitting here today thinking, well, I've mostly kind of got it together on the outside. I'm mostly kind of doing okay. I want you to consider something that we may need to look inside ourselves this morning and recognize that work in our interior life is needed. That there is work that we can do in our internal condition. Maybe healing is needed. Maybe the gift of spiritual sight is needed this morning. I know this for myself to be true. I know that I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That with the eyes of my heart that they might be enlightened to know the hope to which Jesus has called me. And he has called you. So if you're hearing this story, this story of blind Bartimaeus for the first time or for the fifth time, how about we lean in together and unpack what this is and see what happens when a blind beggar encounters Jesus. So I begin by asking this question, what is spiritual blindness? What is spiritual blindness? Spiritual blindness is an impaired ability to recognize the truth. It's an impaired ability to understand the truth of our spiritual surroundings. To understand the spiritual forces that are at work out there. It's often an impaired ability to even recognize who God is 
and who we are, truly seeing the things of ourselves in our heart. Blindness, spiritual blindness, means that we can't see these things. In Acts chapter 9, Saul is on the road to Damascus. And he has an experience where he's blinded by light. Saul, who becomes Paul, we can read that story in the book of Acts. Paul gets temporarily blinded by God. And God temporarily makes Paul physically unable to see to show Paul that he is spiritually blind. Paul can't see the destructive path that his life is taking. And Paul is totally blind to what God is wanting to accomplish in and through his life. When Paul is physically healed of his blindness, he's also spiritually healed and he comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Many stories like that through Scripture. As I said, Scripture often draws the metaphor uh, for us to consider spiritual sight and spiritual blindness. But friends, spiritual blindness causes us to be blind in certain areas. I'm just going to highlight three for us this morning. The three areas um, that we recognize that spiritual blindness um, can cause is being blind to blindness. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Also being blind to sin. And the third one is being blind to the beauty and the grace, to, be, to, the, be, to, beauty, to the beauty of grace and mercy, sorry. To begin with being blind to blindness, one of the marks of spiritual blindness is that often we don't know we are blind. That we may hear spiritual things, we may read spiritual truths, we may have a theoretical or mental comprehension or assent to them, but basically, we can still be blind. I grew up in a little country town called Bathurst. There's an image there of the church I grew up in. It was a wonderful church. I have lots of fond memories of youth group, of um, fellowship, of um, being at church and being part of the church community. I think I heard the gospel every Friday night and twice on Sundays. When I was 15, I had a very nice boyfriend who's now pastoring a large C3 church, and he wrote letters to me like Paul wrote letters to the churches. He had a lot to tell me about, and on every page he wrote about the gospel. Every page he wrote about the gospel. Yet I hadn't seen it. Yet I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I didn't see it for a number of years. God had to open my eyes. Similarly, uh, our friend, Nicky Gumbel, who is the pastor of Holy Trinity Brompton, he said this. He said, I had heard the Bible being read and I had been to talks about the Christian faith, yet I did not understand what people were talking about. It made no sense to me at all. My spiritual eyes were blind. The moment that I turned to the Lord, it was as if the veil was taken away and he began to see spiritually. So friends, one of... The challenges that we face, one of the things that spiritual blindness causes is indeed for us to be blind to our own blindness. Secondly, as I mentioned, spiritual blindness causes us to be blind to sin. This is where we, kind of, we don't quite perceive or realise sin as sin in our lives. We don't realise or we're, we're unaware, if you like, that we are pursuing our own agenda and quite often in a very determined way instead of pursuing God's kingdom. 
we'll often tell ourselves that, well, overall, we're very good people and that we do a few wrong things, but that just kind of balances out all the good things that we do as people. Often we can tell ourselves that, really, in this particular circumstance, I wasn't really sinning. I wasn't really sinning. It was, it was just a whole tragedy of errors that had gone on there. And we often... That's that, that being blind to sin also um, means that we're not really aware of the forgiveness and the mercy that we also need as a consequence of our sin. Um, also, this sort of blindness to sin means that we often don't see pride in our life. We often don't see pride in our life. We have a kind of a spiritual ignorance, and it means that we kind of have a pride that judges and um, doesn't see the best in people, doesn't see people as Christ would see people. Quite often, uh, that blindness to sin presents with anger or resentment or fear, just a sense where there are some inner walls that need to be addressed. You know, Paul really encourages us that he says we need to be alive to Christ. To be alive to Christ means that we are able to recognize and have dealt with our blindness to sin. Thirdly, um, spiritual blindness often means that we are blind to the beauty of grace and mercy. I often share with you stories from uh, our time as a family ministering in India, and here's another quick one for you. We were out prayer walking in a city called Pobanda, and Pobanda's in Gujarat, the western state uh, of India. Uh, This town we had prayer walked many, many times. And we were walking on one side of the road, and on the other side of the road, um, I just noticed that there was sort of like a vacant block that was all just dirt, and there was a a bunch of itinerant working families had kind of set up a place to uh, live for a little while. Little itinerant shelters had been set up, and there was a bunch of children. uh, They were playing uh, just in the dirt, (laughs) if you like, uh, and whilst their parents had been uh, working these kids just look so poor and, you know, I observed just the, the plastic shelters that they had constructed to live in with the sticks and just, it just made my heart really um, quite open to just saying, God, what's happening here, Lord God? How can we pray? How can we pray for this beautiful community as we're on this prayer walk? And actually, just in, in asking those questions, um, I just had a really deep personal moment for myself of spiritual insight. There was one particular little girl who, I, who caught my attention. She looked about six and she was just wearing a very grey tatty dress that I think once upon a time was one of those beautiful white princess dress-up dresses. And she was, as I said, she was grey and tatty and she was dirty and her, she had no shoes on her feet. Um, and I just prayed for her and as I was just praying for her, I I felt as I saw something of myself in her. It's kind of strange and not that easy to explain to you, but I suddenly had this realisation of this little girl's life and her circumstance, and I just had an incredible identification with her, almost as if I was looking in a mirror. That I was able to see maybe um, so intently for the first time in my life, just the own poverty of my heart, the areas of my life that had been deprived of the grace and mercy of God and how on this little patch of dirt in India was actually pointing me to something of the vastness and the endless, the endless expanse 
of God's grace and mercy for me and also for her. That this little patch of dirt was in somehow this amazing contrast to the unending depths of God's grace and mercy towards us. And it was very beautiful. It was very transforming for me. I, I felt as though, as I said, as I looked upon this little girl, it was like I was looking in a mirror at myself and seeing for the first time just that hand of grace upon my life as it's always been, as it's always been upon your life. I saw the goodness, I saw the grace and the mercy of God in a really intimate, personal way, probably for the first time. I really saw it. I saw it in, in, it in exceeding measure. I saw it flowing out from the cross. I saw it. I saw that same grace and mercy that I'd read about and even preached about in Scripture. I truly saw it. Friends, God has to open our eyes. We will never see the reality and the gravity of our sin, nor the wonder and the beauty of mercy and grace, if we don't continue to ask, Master, may I receive my sight? Getting back to our encounter with Jesus, the blind man sitting by the roadside begging. He may be spiritually blind, sorry, he may be physically blind, but he has profound spiritual sight. Let me say that again. He may be physically blind, but he has profound spiritual sight. He sees who Jesus really is, even when the disciples haven't. According to like the word on the street that day, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And Bartimaeus has no real way of checking that out, like you or I would. But yet he is determined not to be passed by. He's determined not to be passed by. And he begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Twice, twice he shouts this out. Twice he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The religious people of the day have not even seen that. He sees himself. He sees his condition. And he knows that he's in need of mercy. And he believes that Jesus can do for him what he needs. Just think about that for a moment. It is the blind man. It is the blind man who sees the one coming down the road. It is the blind man who is the witness in Mark's gospel that this is the son of David. The blind man recognizes this is the one we know as Messiah. This is the long-awaited, long-promised Messiah. The blind man is the one who sees and Jesus stopped him and said, call him. Did you hear that? Jesus stopped. A little bit of context for you, like this moment in this story, Jesus is headed to the cross. He has set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. This is a thick crowd, and Jesus has no illusions about what lies ahead of him. What lies ahead is a cruel death. Remember, Jesus is now headed towards Jerusalem where he will give his life as a ransom for many. And he stops and he calls and he asks the man this one question, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man answers, Master, that I may see again. This question is actually asked by the disciples just 10 or so verses earlier in this same very chapter because Jesus says to his disciples, what do you want me to do for you? And they answered, grant us to sit at your right hand and your left in glory. 
Friends, you might just cast your mind to the image of the cross for a moment and remember who hung on Jesus' left and who hung on Jesus' right. Jesus cannot grant the disciples this request because it is based on their delusions of grandeur. But Jesus does and can help the blind beggar Bartimaeus. He knows what he's in need of. He knows that he's in need of mercy. And he sees that Jesus is the way from suffering, from the suffering of the world that he exists into the salvation that God has prepared. And Bartimaeus receives and obeys this life-giving command from Jesus. Friends, in Scripture, the commands of God are different from any command you'll ever hear or receive. The commands of God, as we read them in Scripture, they are life-giving, and we are to live our lives by them. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the way. The blind man sees by obeying the command to see. Isn't that profound? Can I just take a moment with you? I talked about some connections we have between physical blindness and spiritual blindness, and I just don't want to minimise. I don't want to minimise the physical condition and his circumstances. The scripture would not want us to. So I just want to wonder with you for a moment just what his world is actually like. We, we need to remember that he's homeless and disabled, that he's a victim of the system, he's not a beneficiary of it, and people pass him by or they have sought to really stamp out his enthusiasm. He also begs, he just begs for a little bit of money. But friends, the world looks remarkably different when seen in the darkness of the blind. That's a quote by theologian Karl Barth. And he goes on to say this, the world looks remarkably different when seen in the eyes of the blind or through the windows of the hospital, through the bars of a jail or through the gate that separates the refugee from the rest of society. The world looks remarkably different to an older person who is without a job or a homeless family on a wait list for public housing. It looks remarkably different to those with disabilities, to the widow and to the orphan. Friends, this is how it's connected. Spiritual blindness can actually prevent us from seeing the God of the Bible who identifies with those that are poor, that are oppressed, that are marginalized, and that are excluded. God deeply identifies with the poor. Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honours God. In Psalm 68, God himself introduces, introduces and speaks of himself as a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. This is how God introduces God's self. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Jumping into uh, our New Testament, because here also it emphasizes this part of our discipleship, this reality of the God of the Bible who, who identifies with people at the bottom. 1 John says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can, God, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. Friends, God has a very special and radical concern for those without power. 
the radical extent of that identification which God has for the poor, for the poor is that Jesus himself, Jesus came in an animal feeding trough. He wasn't born in the courts of a palace or in a well-appointed hospital. Jesus says about his own life that as he lived, he had no place to call home, that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. When he was crucified, he had no possessions except the garment that he wore, which they cast lots for. He was oppressed and his trial before Pilate was a total miscarriage of justice in every sense of the word. Friends, Jesus is not just an example of someone who identifies with us. Jesus actually saves us by being willing, by being willing to be poor and oppressed. Psalm 40, spoken about Jesus, says, I delight to do your will, O oh my God. I delight to do your will. Jesus saves us by delightfully being willing to be poor and to be oppressed. And it's so easy to forget about this truth, isn't it, about Jesus. It's so easy to fail to see who God really is and what his son has showed us about the Father. Friends, as we seek to be more people more like Jesus, I wonder how we're going at how we have this radical concern for those without power, for the poor and the marginalised. Because this is such a vital part of our discipleship. This is absolutely at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. It's not just for a select few. If you say that you have a relationship with the Lord, if you are a person who calls himself a Christian, then inevitably your heart must be dedicated to justice and mercy for the poor, the oppressed, the marginalised and excluded because this is the sign of a true disciple. This is the sign of true faith. And so I think we really need God to open our eyes. No one is naturally born with spiritual sight. No one. Every one of us is spiritually blind. Every one of us needs the gift of spiritual sight. Paul says that before we know Christ, we are darkened in our understanding and separated from the life of God. Spiritual sight is getting rid of that impaired vision and to not see our spiritual surroundings and understand our spiritual realities. It's getting rid of that ability not to see those things, not to see who we are, not to see who God truly is. And no matter how nice we are as people or how good we are as people, no matter how religious or irreligious or moral or moral, we are all spiritually blind. But God who's rich in mercy and wants to show us the immeasurable riches of grace in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. God wants to show us. We need the gift. We need the gift of spiritual sight. And I believe it can only be given as, we, as an encounter or as an act of God. The Apostle Paul does pray for Christians in this gift. He prays that, he says this, I pray, this is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Receiving the gift is not an extension 
of what you were or what you already know. It's far more radical. It's far more than more knowledge. It's even more radical. It's not even just turning over a new spiritual leaf and becoming like more spiritual or a better person. It is radically different because receiving the gift of spiritual sight is like receiving a whole new faculty. Imagine seeing the mercy and the grace of God. Imagine seeing his love toward you. Imagine seeing his love for others. Not just knowing it, but seeing it. We have to see it. To receive spiritual sight means that the spiritual realities, like who God is and who we are, the reality of his glory, the reality of his forgiveness and of his love, that, that these things that may once have been ideas that previously thought were a bit silly or just theoretical, spiritual sight is when these become real, compelling, exciting, thrilling, comforting and life-changing. So how do we receive the gift of spiritual sight? How do we receive the gift of spiritual sight? Well, there's a couple of different ways. I've just got three to briefly mention. I think the band are going to make their way up now. We're just coming to the end. But firstly, friends, as Christians, I believe that we receive it in stages. And we receive it through prayer. We receive it through prayer. As a church, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that we're called to contend for prayer, that we would see renewal in our midst, in our time, in our nation, in our city. Spiritual sight comes to us because God graciously continues to relieve us of this impairment. And I believe that as followers of Christ, it comes to us in stages. And it comes to us through prayer. Because we pray, or Paul prays for us, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Another way that it comes to us is it comes through suffering. It comes through hard, tough seasons. It comes through challenging stuff. I think that, you know, times of life that are challenging or difficult, we often feel as though we need to retreat or draw back. Or draw back. You know, pop your blinkers on. Have you ever done that? Or do you do the kind of like, la, 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 la thing? Like, I don't want to listen. I don't want to know what's going on. Often these times, these hard times in life, these challenging seasons, are actually opportunities to grow spiritually, to have our eyes enlightened. And we don't want to avoid, we don't want to avoid that opportunity. We don't, we don't want the discomfort of the season to actually prevent us from growing spiritually. You know, I really think as I look at my own life, that quite often when things are difficult, this sort of needing to be awakened more spiritually. There is like a, a dislodging of spiritual blindness that takes place for me when we go through tough times. And particularly when we go through a certain degree of suffering, suffering or trouble, I believe our spiritual sight actually is stretched and enlarged. So that's the second way. The first way is in stages and through prayer. The second way is through tough times and challenging seasons. And the third way, friends, is really only through Jesus Christ. Only through the Messiah. What Christ has done for us. Jesus Christ, the mediator, the advocate. Going back to the story, in just a few days, as Jesus and the crowd, his disciples, and now Bartimaeus are walking on the way, 
in just a few days, there'll be another crowd that gathers. Another crowd that this time will cry, crucify him. Crucify him. This will be at Calvary. There'll be no legions of angels come to rescue Jesus. There'll be no intervention of God to stop the horrendous proceedings in their tracks. No. Jesus came to die for us so that we who do not deserve mercy may receive it. Jesus did that for me and he did that for you. Would you stand? I'd love us to pray right now that our eyes would be opened. And maybe for you, that's a, that's a prayer you've never prayed before. Maybe for you, you'd like to pray for the first time that your eyes would be opened. Master, that I might see. Lord, open my eyes. Open the eyes of my heart. If you'd like to pray that for the first time, I'd love you to be able to let me know about that. And so we're going to just come to a time of prayer together. This is where all of us enter into something that is just deeply communal and deeply holy. This is a moment between us and God. A moment where we stand together and where we acknowledge what the Word has been doing in us. And if you've been nudged that you really want to receive this gift of sight and it's the first time, I'm just going to ask now that let's just bow our heads. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes and recognize God's presence here. Let's recognize the beauty of his presence. And let's, let's just, let me invite you, if this is the first time, to just raise your hand. I have my eyes open. Everyone else has their eyes closed and their heads bowed. But I'd love to just give you a moment to respond if this is the first time you would love to receive spiritual sight, that you'd love your eyes to be opened your eyes to you open to the, the beauty, the glory, the grace, the reality of sin in your life. If you'd like that, would you just raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Because we're a family, why don't we pray together with those that have raised their hands? I'm going to say such a simple prayer and I just invite you to just, we'll all say it together in honour and acknowledgement that there are people in this room that are praying this for the first time so bravely and so boldly. Let's do this together as a family. I'll pray and you can follow. Thank you, God. I acknowledge how much I need you. I'm sorry for the things that I've done in the past. I thank you that you have given me in asking now that you have given me spiritual sight. Thank you for the cross that made this possible. Thank you that I can see and live forgiven. Thank you that I can live and see set free. I trust in you and you alone, my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. Friends, if you would like to just continue to grow and, and receive more of this gift, would you like to just put your hands out? I'm just going to pray again. Would you join me? Lord, we ask you once more. We ask again.
As you move in our midst, would you come and open the eyes of our hearts? Would you enlighten our hearts? Would you show us afresh who you are? Would you stretch us? Would you grow us? Would you impart a greater ability for us to see and understand our spiritual environment? To see you as you truly are. To see others as you see them. To see ourselves in the light of your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you that you have visited us, that you have encountered us today. That like the blind man who says, Master, that I might see. We've brought our hearts cry to you and that you have answered and responded so faithfully, Lord God. We give you all glory and praise. We give you all glory and praise. 